Welcome to the rooftop. We're doing another episode this morning on the cost of leadership. And the reason that I chose to do this is <clears throat> I'm on the road. I've been on the road for a couple of weeks now. As of the time that I'm recording this, we've been we've been traveling, my wife Monty and I, all over the country. We've been to uh, gosh, we've been to Dallas, we've been to Vegas, we've been to Arkansas, and then up to Wisconsin, and then now we're finally going home to Tampa. But, <clears throat> you know, the the overarching theme and question that has just stayed on my mind throughout these travels is, is this the cost of leadership, is what's happening to leadership <clears throat> at a street level across the country? What's happening down on the street? What, what is it about leadership that people are just kind of fed up with and, and ready to see some change? And I have to tell you, it is pervasive. It is pervasive. Most of the engagements that I've done, the speeches that I've given, the talks that I've given, the training sessions that I've done, ranging from attorneys to community leadership councils to high school kids to uh, business owners, to construction companies, to National Guard. How's that? To Gold Star families. <laughs> uh, a real range of, you know, just real diversity, occupational diversity, uh, ethnic diversity, you name it. But what's been consistent is that it's really been at a community level. It's been at down on the street level, um, at, a, at a grassroots kind of bottom-up kind of level. And I have to tell you, man, the pulse, the heartbeat of our nation is strong, and it is uh, a bit put out with the institutional leadership that's out there. And I feel the same way. I mean, it's it's one of the reasons that I'm moving around the country as hard as I am right now and working as hard as I am on the pineapple book is because I do believe we are at an inflection point that Robert Putnam talks about in his book, The Upswing where we've been on this downswing of trust and disconnection and disengagement and distraction really since the early 70s. It's gotten worse and worse and worse, very similar to what we saw in America in the early 1900s, where the country just feels like it's almost on its last leg in so many ways. Um, and all of a sudden, in the early 1900s, there was this upswing of you know, social capital. There was this upswing of cooperation where the Kiwanis Club, the Rotary Club, the Junior League, Alcoholics Anonymous was all formed by men and women in these local community groups. For You know, there was some top-down stuff. But so where am I going with this? I, you know, the, 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 the cost of leadership to do that is pretty high. At least it seems that way. And it's probably one of the biggest barriers to entry that a lot of people are experiencing when they look around at their arena and they say, wow, nobody's coming. Whatever institutional leadership is supposed to be in this part of my community or this part of politics or this part of the school board or this part of the travel ball team is not there. It's failing. I guess I'll have to do it. I guess we'll have to do it. And then resistance kicks in, what Stephen Pressfield calls resistance. The author, Stephen Pressfield, is basically self-sabotage. It's when you decide to do something that's bigger than yourself, 
and this negative energy shows up. You know what I'm talking about, like that imposter syndrome or what's going to happen to me if I do this? You know, this was a question that was posed to me last night, actually, after I'd given a, a talk in Wisconsin, a very, very, very influential leader in a company who's been around for years and years, and she's really highly respected. She asked me, she said, you know, what, Scott, when you go and you talk about pineapple and you talk about what happened with the, the failed institutional leadership there, and the abandonment of so many at-risk Afghans and, frankly, Americans and, and, you know, legal permanent residents. And you talk about that, you know, it's easy for you to do because you're perceived as an expert. You served in Afghanistan. You're a combat veteran. You've been on the news. So people are going to take you seriously. But she said, you know, me, I work in the community. I work at the grassroots level. Um, you know, I start to talk about what I'm seeing in the arena and people are going to try to label me this or label me that or cancel me or give some kind of hateful moniker to me that shuts me down. And what do I do about that? Because I see a lot of things where I could make a difference, where I could make an impact. But the minute you step into the arena, you just get obliterated by just the tribal behavior that's out there. And I thought that was such an honest, profound question. And I think maybe some of you are feeling this as well. So I kind of want to take this on. And again, I do believe there is a cost to let, to that kind of leadership. And I do believe that there is a pervasive fear that prevents us in some cases from taking the action that our parents really taught us to take and that we at our core know we should take. But, you know, in this uh, society that we live in, that, that if I always use the iceberg, you know, the tip of the iceberg, the modern world, uh, this mass technology, uh, this transactional society, uh, where where materialism and careerism, frankly, have just slowly ebbed their way into our arena to the point that we almost don't think about it. It's unconscious. It's semi-conscious. And careerism, the preservation of one's status at all costs becomes a operating system running in the background that many of us don't even realize is there. And it's fear-based because we worry about what will happen to our status or to us if we take meaningful action. And then we are conditioned by many of these divisionist leaders not to do that. And it's even implied overtly, covertly, that if you do, these things will happen. Or you see on social media or the media where if you do, these things will happen. And it's a very real thing. But, you know, the way, and this is what I explained to her, and this is the way I feel about my own personal life, is that, you know, I lost enough friends in combat, and I saw enough buddies wounded in combat, and I, and I missed enough with my wife and children that I'm just at a place at 53 years old. I'm not going to, I'm not going to live my life that way. You know, I'm, my metric for the rest of my life, if I can help it, is binary. Deep breath, shallow breath. At the end of my life, I want to be able to take a deep breath. I want to be able to reflect across my life and know that I played full out. I slid the car in sideways and I tried to, as my father says, leave as many tracks as I could for people to be served after my time here. That's my metric, deep breath. And my, you know, what scares me more than anything else is that shallow breath, is that quick breath that you take in at, your, at the end of your life in the, in, the, in, the, in the stark realization that you didn't live 
that you didn't live full out, that, that you didn't play the way your higher power intended you to play, and you didn't leave tracks, that you, you, you were transactional, you were a careerist, you were materialistic. And I used to be in that camp. I was in that camp when I was in the Army. I was on a track, a pretty, you know, pretty good track as an officer. I, I was a lieutenant colonel. I had been selected for battalion command, um, and I turned it down. I turned it down three times because I, 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 I woke up to this realization that I was on a path of careerism, a path of materialism, and frankly, status behavior, fear-based status behavior that was taking my soul away, that was taking away that deep breath mindset that my father Rex and my mother Anita instilled in me. And thank God that I, I did pull back from that. And and I, at times I've still gotten caught up in it, but I try really to to just realize that the cost of leadership is, it depends on what your metrics are. You know, if your metrics are um, transactional, if your metrics are career oriented, if your metrics are, I'm going to get to this position in my, on the ladder, then yeah, the odds are when you look at the arena and you see that there's, you know, stark things wrong, uh, the, the cost of you stepping into that and doing something about it could very likely affect that path, that, that, that career driven path. Now I'm not saying that we shouldn't look at a career. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be driven to achieve things, but if we are driven to achieve those things at the cost of our own morals, our own values, our own ethos that we know to be true. And if we feel like we can't speak truth to power, then we are at a position where we are bordering on a moral injury, I believe. And I'm not even saying at that point that you should go against your career or go against only you can make that decision. But what I will say is that if you allow yourself to pull back, that there is a slight erosion in your soul and that it will continue and it will continue and it will continue. And, and I think the embodiment of this is what we saw in Afghanistan. I mean, if you look at Afghanistan, there wasn't a single special forces or special operations general officer who came forward and, and led up and said, this is absolutely inexcusable. We cannot do this. This, this is a violation of special forces principles. This is a violation. This is putting us at national security risk. We have a 20-year partner force that we are abandoning. This is going to come back and haunt us. Nobody was standing on anybody's table. That's one thing I've been able to ascertain in the, in the research on this book. And you know what? These are people I served with. These are people who, when they were captains, they did things that were highly audacious because they were the right things to do. Now, these are not bad people. These are people who, frankly, are the right people to lead the country and lead the military. But the, but the, the careerism that has permeated our society and, and has, frankly, infected us has caused leaders who are great leaders to make poor decisions, and it just goes on and on and on and on until at some point, I choose to believe, you look back at your life with regret. You look back at your life with that shallow breath. And only the person listening to this right now can make that decision. Only you can ascertain which path you're on. But it is binary, isn't it? It is a zero or a one. In your core, you know. I mean, I've heard so much equivocation from general officers and sergeants majors on the Afghanistan abandonment. So much equivocation. It usually starts with something like this. This was the greatest airlift in American history. Yep, sure was. Mostly consisting of taxi drivers 
and people who were not at risk like the ones who were left. And I, again, I give you that example because I'm not asking you to equivocate. I'm not asking you to, to convince me that what you did was right, but yet that's what people do. And typically what I find is that when that kind of equivocation is going on, there is a moral dilemma happening internal with that individual. There just is. There's something going on internally where that person feels driven to equivocate why this was a success, why this was a good thing. And they don't like the answer. They don't like what's keeping them up at night. And look, I can't help that. I can't change that. I didn't create that. I didn't, you know, and we're all kind of where we are right now. But the good news is any of us can choose at any point in our life to do that no more. To, 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 to go down that road no more, right? We can, we can, because, you know, I look at my own life, I certainly demonstrated high elements of careerism, materialism, status behavior. Um, I believed my own press in a lot of ways on my path to becoming a battalion commander and, um, you know, and, and beyond. Uh, so I played into that game and, and I've gotten caught up in it since then too. And, and it's, it's human nature because we are status creatures, we actually, you know, we are primal creatures and status behavior is part of what we do. But what's happened, I believe, is we've become so disconnected from our human nature is that things like status have almost showed up in a, in a shadow way. They, they, they act on us in a semi-conscious, unconscious way that, that's not appropriate for the situation that we're in. And so now if you look like at the military, you know, these general officers, many of them 30, 35 years, same with the sergeant's major, they could have taken a stand and ended their career over that. And they didn't, you know, and, and, and I have to scratch my head. And then the answer, I actually had a, a senior officer, very senior, like one of the most senior, well, I'll leave it, put it this way, so senior, like there's only one, <laughs> And I posed that question, and he said, people ask me that all the time. And he said, you know what? Fuck you. You don't tell me when to hang it up. That was the answer. Now, you tell me, is that not equivocating? Is there not something going on there that you would, why would you respond in that kind of visceral way, right? If there's not some kind of moral internal conflict at play. Now, Again, I'm taking the time to set this up because each and every one of us has to make a choice. Each of us, and it's not just once, we have to make this choice every day. It's like Stephen Pressfield says, the battle against resistance has to be fought anew every single day. You know, I've got friends that listen to this podcast that are politicians. They have to decide every single day what the cost of leadership is. They have to decide, is it going to be a short breath today or a deep breath today? Is it going to be a life of regret and careerism or is it going to be a life of leaving tracks and legacy and having played a bigger game, right? The, the former does not have the overt costs on one's status that the latter does. If you make a conscious choice, if I make a conscious choice to play the game a certain way, and it's around legacy and playing the higher purpose, then there's going to be a cost to that that doesn't come with a career-oriented move. There were many people who chose not to get involved with Afghanistan. Both, you know, and, and, and frankly, there was a lot of retired generals who, in my assessment, 
should be the advocates right now for the special operations community. They should be the advocates right now for the partner force that's been abandoned. Where are they? Where are they? Crickets, man. Not a word. There's one general officer that is involved in the 16 soft-oriented federation right now called Moral Compass. One GO. And he's an and he's an Air Force guy. Right? There hasn't been a single now that's not to say that there aren't GOs working in the backgrounds, but they're not taking a public stand. They're not advocating for the mental health of their men and women right now who are falling apart. Where are they? I would submit that many of them own defense contract companies and it would hurt their bids. I'll say it. I don't give a shit. And I, cause I know a lot of people are thinking it. Where are they? Where are, you know, that's a deep breath, shallow breath question, isn't it? You have to decide. And there is a cost. And I'm not, I'm not mitigating that. I'm not minimizing that. There is a cost to what we do when we lead this way. The question is, are you willing to pay it? And are you willing to pay it every single day? Because this is what, and I'm bringing it back full circle to where we are in the country, this is what people are hungry for. This is what people are actually craving, is leaders who are willing to pay the cost on the street, who are willing to pay the cost to their career, their status, whatever it is, whatever it is, they let it come. You know, Monty and I had FBI show up in our house for the pineapple thing when it was really going big and we were helping to raise money for other nonprofits that were new. Um, and they were just doing their job. But, you know, that's pretty unnerving. And there's a cost to that. It got reported in the news. and But you know what? Six months later, um, we're moving on and still doing what we're doing. And all I'm saying is that as I travel the country, the one thing that really, really seems to resonate is that people are hungry for authentic leadership that is bigger than themselves. People who are looking around going, okay, you know what? On this issue, nobody else is coming, I'll lead. And I'm willing to pay the cost to lead that way. And I don't care if I get canceled, and I don't care if people label me this, because I am speaking truth to power. And I am going to employ my own psychological safety. I'm going to battle resistance on my own, and I'm going to take a stand. And it may be that the legacy of this, the tracks that I leave, don't even serve people until I'm gone. Now, that's really hard. You know, it's really hard to go up on the rooftop and lead when no one follows you up there. And knowing that your actions and deeds are those indelible impressions in the earth that serve people who you'll never even meet. That's leadership. That's what my father and my mother taught me about leaving tracks. And the country's hungry for it. And if you are, you, you know, as you're thinking about this and you want to be a more relevant leader, it doesn't, you don't have to have a title, I promise you. I sure as hell don't. Um, but you do have to make a decision. And that decision has to be made every day. And that battle has to be fought anew every day. Is what is this going to cost me? Talk about it with your family. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about it with yourself. What's the story you're going to tell yourself when it gets really bad? You know, I've had general officers who I revere, who I grew up with, who raised me, who put their faith and confidence in me, you know, say some pretty awful things to me, tell me that I need to like muzzle it up, be a quiet professional again, quit making it about me. I mean, just really things that are, that are you know, you scratch your head and you go, why would you say that? But it's how it goes. That's the cost, you know, and, and there's plenty more. And, and, and that's going to happen in some variety to anybody who chooses to lead this way.
But I will tell you, I think that's where it's going already. The people who lead this way are the ones who are going to thrive. I do believe that Pineapple and Dunkirk and Team America and Sacred Promise were all the first shots across the bow of an upswing that Putnam talks about that we're overdue for. You know, we've been on a downswing in terms of trust and social capital since the early 70s, and I think we're due for an upswing. And I think it's going to come from leaders who I've been talking to on the road. Like, I'm seeing it. And But, you know, we're going to need some new tools. We're going to need some new ways of thinking about things, some new skills. And that's what Rooftop Leadership is committed to. This what this podcast is committed to. It's what our programs and services are committed to, is helping leaders who are going to leave tracks in this world, who are going to take that deep breath at the end of their life, uh, be more relevant to people's goals and more relatable to their pain through the application of purpose-based human connection that I learned as a Green Beret and that I have honed into art and science over the last decade. And 10 million rooftop leaders in 10 years, that's where we're going. And there'll be a cost to it for every single one of us. And we I want to see it in every industry. I want to see it in politics. And when you do this, there's no ceiling for you. There's no limit to what you're going to be able to do, but there will be a cost. And what will separate you from the amateurs is being willing to pay it. Thanks for what you do. If you like this podcast, please write a review, share it with someone who could use it, and I'll see you on the rooftop.